What's up, everybody? I'm Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report, episode number 96 coming at you. Uh, great show for you guys today. I have uh, Blake Lovell of uh, Heat Check. I have Blake Lovell of Blue Ribbon. Uh, he is the man with the best beard in college basketball Twitter. He is the southern gentleman of, of basketball Twitter. Uh, a great guy, a well well versed guy, a guy that's very articulate, and a guy that knows the SEC front and back, as well as the national landscape of college basketball. And uh, it's always a pleasure to have a conversation with Blake. And once again, I was I was uh, joined by my, my co-host, The Chimp. So, you know, that's that's beginning to become a thing, and uh, something that I really enjoy. I like broadcasting with The Chimp. He uh, adds a little bit of levity to the podcast, and, uh, you know, kind of a different, uh, a different view on things than uh, sometimes me or, or my guests are capable of. And I think uh, it's something I'm really starting to come around on. We do, uh, you know, we get Blake into the bonus and Chimp asks his seven burning questions, which is always a good time. And uh, it was it was a really good show. I really enjoyed it. Um, you know, talked about the SEC, talked about Kentucky, talked about uh, the Coach K video, talked about a bunch of things. So really good video today. Uh, not video. Really good uh, show today. Something... I just really enjoy doing. Don't forget, like, rate, review, share the podcast. Uh, go to Apple Podcasts, rate it favorably, five stars. Leave me comments, questions, concerns, um, whatever you guys feel like. Just, uh, you know, that right there drives us towards uh, marketing and advertisers and, and making this podcast go beyond where it's at right now. We are, <clears throat> you know, in the midst of, of joining Belly Up Sports. I will hopefully be writing for them in the near future as well. Um, we're working on migrating everything to Spotify right now. Spotify is sometimes difficult to navigate and deal with. Um, everything is on Apple right now. Everything is on the website, ACC basketball report right now. So that stuff, you know, if you, if you guys are, you know, still looking for it on Spotify, you may have to go through an alternative method for right now, but I promise you that it will be up very soon. It is also going to be back up on Google, uh, Google playlists as well. So, um, here he is Blake Lavelle, the chimp and myself. Thanks for listening to ACCBR. Welcome to ACC Basketball Report, uh, episode number 95, I believe, 95 or 96. Uh, another good show for you guys today. I have uh, Blake Lavelle on from Blue Ribbon, from, um, let's see, Heat Check, and, and some other publications, as well as my co-host, Chimp Carey. Blake, what's going on, man? Yeah, what's going on, guys? Uh, good to talk to you. I know it's been uh, a crazy seven years, but I'm glad you're both doing well and good to catch up. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate you taking the time to, to come back on the show. Chimp, what's going on, buddy? Uh, not much. Just uh, another lazy Sunday and uh, very, very excited for this podcast. I, I Yeah, I know. You are, you are the quintessential Blake Lavelle fan. I don't think there's any, uh, there's any debate there. <clears throat> well, I'll tell you, he is, uh, he's my best friend on Twitter. <laughs> yep. And... Now, I may not be his best friend on Twitter, but he's my best friend on Twitter, and a nicer guy you will not find. That's, that's Listen, absolutely true. If you have board of directors at Blake Level Inc. in your Twitter profile, you, you are easily my best friend because you are <laughs> the only person on the board of directors. So there's really not a choice if you think about it. Well, that's not that's that's everybody else's fault. That's not my fault. I want to be on the board of Blake Lavelle because you're going places, man. <laughs> I actually asked. I I was talking. I was having a conversation with Chimp a while back, and you know he's he's obviously an ECCBR fan, and I'm you know we're we're you know doing the co-host thing right now, and uh, you know I said I asked him one day. I said you know what, uh, you know obviously you're a big fan of Blake. Obviously you're a fan of ACCBR. What uh, what's the attraction? Because there is no two people on Twitter, I think, that come from opposite ends of the spectrum. As far as you being a nice guy and me being a little bit prickly, and uh, I, <laughs> Chimp, I I don't know what the reasoning is behind it, but uh, it's it's absolutely an interesting dynamic for sure. Well, I, I'll explain it real quick. I, I think that you two guys are incredibly good at what you do. Uh, you go about it uh, in different ways. 
uh, very different personalities, but you both love basketball and you're both very talented. And I like that. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. So, Blake, what's, uh, you know, we're without sports for the most part right now. Baseball looks like it's starting to get tuned back up. Um, basketball is, you know, as far as the NBA goes, you know, they're in the Dome. They're in Disney World. There's some kind of some kind of league going on. But uh, what have you been up to to stay busy these days? Well, I tell you guys, as you can see probably uh, lately here, well, since both you guys are active on Twitter, too, I've, I've turned to the Twitch. And uh, let me tell you, I was laughing about this with someone, and I did a, a radio thing the other day, and someone was like, well, talking about Twitch, I said, I'll be honest with you, like, until a week ago, I had no idea what Twitch was, not a clue. <laughs> and then, of course, you know, our, our friend Brian Ralph, who mm-hmm. does a great job and is just fantastic, he started doing that thing on Twitter where he had the College Hoops 2K8 game or whatever, and he has like a thread of it. Like, I guess he had a player or something. He was the UNLV, something like that. Um, and I was just like, well, I'm in love with this. And I was like, we have no sports. There's nothing to do. And so I was like, well, I'm going to try this. And of course, you know, SEC-wise, I, I put on a poll. And I was just telling you going in. Like, I knew who was going to win the poll. I knew Alabama was going to win the poll. They just, <laughs> I mean, they share everything. And they just knew they were going to get the most votes. So I had to mostly prepare myself to start this Alabama thing, and it has been crazy. And I don't, you got, like, hundreds of people watching. I'm like, people really watching this? But then I think about it, like, there are, there's nothing else to watch. Yeah. And so, I mean, I guess it makes sense. I, uh, I actually found, uh, when, I, when I started moving around for work, um, you know, one of the things I left behind was DVDs and video games. It's just, obviously, you can't lug that stuff around. And uh, I'm actually going to Maine at the end of this week <clears throat> for vacation, and, uh, you know, the guy who I kind of gifted all that stuff to, I, I sent him a, a text message last night. I said, hey, do me a favor and check out and see if this is, is in that box. And I sent him a picture of the cover of 2K8. And like half an hour later, he sends me a picture back that just says, yep, here it is. So wow. I, I had been, I had been you know, kind of floating around Amazon and eBay looking for a copy. And, of course, copies right now are 190 bucks for the most part. Uh, and uh, luckily, I, luckily, I, I have I'm a copy. I'm not even going to admit how much I pay for this. I can't even do that on the podcast. People would think I'm insane. <laughs> I was going to send you a message to, uh, <laughs> to to ask you what you paid for it because I actually, I think I found one, the cheapest one I found was like $97 or something like that. Yeah. And uh, I, I thought about it, but then I remembered that I may already have a copy <laughs> in storage. But uh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, well, let, let me just say, I'm not going to tell you how much I paid, but I'll tell you I paid more than $97. And I was like, <laughs> I somehow justified it. Like, I don't even know how I justified it. But I was like, all right, you know what? I just got paid the other day. I said, I'm going to go out and just buy this thing. And sure enough, there I did. And <clears throat> now we're uh, we're gearing up for another game night here uh, as I'm talking to you guys. <laughs> Chimp, are you, uh, are, you, are you bored enough to get back into the video games, or what are you doing? Well, I mean, I'm bored, but uh, have you guys ever heard of Pong? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and Pac-Man and Space Invaders and, G- and Galaga, all these new games. I mean, I'm an old guy, so I don't. I wouldn't even know how to to, to work the controllers or anything like that. But uh, so no, I'm not. I'm I'm doing what old people do. I'm reading and trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually. I've been reading a lot lately too. Um, I actually uh, I, a book that I read the other day for. I haven't read it since, I don't know, 6th, 7th grade. I actually uh, started reading uh, George Orwell's Animal Farm uh, last week. And uh, it's it's different when you're almost 40 than it was when I was, whatever, 14 years old for sure. <laughs> um, I, 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 I want to get into a, a move that you made recently, Blake. Um, you know, we talked about Brian, um, Connor Hope, Lucas Harkins. Uh, all went and joined um, Heat Check with, uh, with our friend uh, Eli Becker. Um, it was, I was, I'm friends with those guys, so I, it, it was expected. I knew that was kind of coming. I was a little bit shocked when I saw that, that you were also headed over to Heat Check. Um, you know, you were one of the original Bustin' Brackets guys. Um, you write for Blue Ribbon. I think you had your own thing. Um, I'm not sure if you're still doing it. I know that Brad Cavalera was, was contributing to, yeah. to, to a site that you had. But uh, what, was, uh, what, what drew you to Heat Check, and, 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 and how's it going, I guess? Yeah, no, it was um, it's funny you mentioned the, the busting brackets thing. Like I, 
it's so funny like when i told that story i guess it's been a year or two now i was like guys did you realize like i literally was the first person that worked on this probably like eight years ago because it was uh <laughs> It was like the UConn, what was it? It was the year that UConn played somebody in the championship game. It was just a, one of those terrible championship games. Mm -hmm. that, um, I don't remember, 2011, maybe 2012. And we just got bored over there. And I was like, look, oh, man, we need a college basketball site. So we started doing that. And, and I think, honestly, like that's probably a good segue into why I did this with those guys. Because, man, I don't know what it is, but I know Chimp can tell you. He's followed me everywhere. I have just somehow put myself in a situation where I just, I think I have this like entrepreneurial thing where I've just got to go start something myself and do everything mm -hmm. and like just start it from scratch. And I think eventually I just said, why am I doing this? Like, why don't I just join some other guys who are really good at what they do instead of me trying to do everything myself? Mm -hmm. And, you know, we, we had the website, like the Southeast Hoops thing. I did that for, oh gosh, probably four years. And, you know, of course it's, it's literally the only SEC basketball website probably on the planet. But, I mean, that's that's one of the things that was probably made it a draw, too, is the fact that just wasn't a lot of people out there covering it that way. And then finally I just got to the point where I was like, you know what, I love the site. I love, you know, we did 1,500 stories, something like that. But I said, man, it's just, you know, taking care of a site, trying to do everything yourself, it just it becomes overwhelming when you're trying to do, you know, podcasts and 18 other things. So, I think with Eli and all of those guys, I just, I looked at those guys specifically, you know, it's people I've known for a while. You read their work, you know, the kind of people that they are, you know, that they work hard, all those things. And I just said, Hey, this, this makes a lot of sense. And of course, Eli and I just kind of connected and said, Hey, what, what do we think about this? Is this going to work? Um, you know, how, how is this going to work out for everyone? And he explained it to me and I said, listen, I'm in because this is what I've been looking for. Like, you know, I give Eli all the credit because he handles all the heavy lifting and I'm just able to write. And that, I think at this point is what I want to do is just write, do podcasts and not have to worry about running a website like I've been doing probably for the past eight years. And I think that's just that's made it very special and it's made it a lot of fun to do, honestly. Yeah, I think. Uh, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I started ACCBR, I don't know, probably three or four years ago at this point. Um, I think it's been three years, I'm not sure. But, you know, it, I, I quickly found that, you know, all, all the, I mean, you have to remain consistent, which is something that I struggle with, um, you know, consistent, um, you know, output of, of, of new opinions and stories and things like that. The actual running of the site is... It's tedious, I guess, and I, I'd yep. much rather do the podcast than I would actually write because I'm, I'm not a, a great writer, but I, I like to write, but it's it's the whole being responsible for the brand and trying to grow the brand is sometimes tedious. Yeah, no, for sure, and I think that's where, like, you know, it's one of those, I mean, you guys know, I've done so many of these dang podcasts over the years where, you know, at the Southeast Houston, um, we've had the Marching Madness one for four and a half years now. And, you know, I was doing a lot on SEC for a little while there. And it just, it got to the point where I was like, hey, you know, the reason the reason I do this, the thing that I enjoy most, which people think is podcasting, is actually not. Like, it's actually just writing. And I think it's like, I just wanted to get back to doing that and not have to worry about all the stuff that came along with it like I have been for eight years now. And I think that's what... You know, with the heat check guys, that's what I have, and then I can still do my podcast stuff. Um, and just doing it that way, it, you, you can run yourself ragged, which I know you know everyone knows that, especially now in the the content era and all that. It's just more, 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 more. Mm -hmm. And for me, it almost came to the point where I was like, "Look, I I'm not someone that can just sit down and write 15 things a day anymore. Um, you know, I can't do 15 podcasts a week like I may have been three years ago." And it's just like, all right, let's find the best balance between the two. I think writing at Heat Check, you know, doing the Marching to Madness podcast, doing some other podcasts here and there, that just kind of seems to be the fit for me right now. Yeah, I've, I've, I really enjoy doing the, uh, you know, I'm, I work for a company called uh, Nup Solutions where we do um, betting previews and, and things like that. And, you know, it's, it's, they're quick hitters. They're basically usually between five and 800 words. Um, it's just basically doing the research. And, and, and throwing out some stats, throwing out some facts, and then, you know, making a pick. And I would, so, I just, I so much prefer to do a quick hitter like that than I do. Like, I, I give Lucas Harkins all the credit in the world. I mean, that guy cranks out words like nobody I've ever seen before. I mean, just 3,000 words, 
in a heartbeat. It's absolutely crazy. But uh, I, I like I like the doing the stuff that I'm doing right now um, on the side. I actually had Chimp uh, do some writing for the site as far as um, as far as wagering. Chimp, what was uh, what was your experience like? I guess when you when you first started writing for ACCBR. Um, I'm not much of a writer. I find myself to be mildly amusing at times, but uh, my writing is, is uh, I would say, subpar. But, uh, yeah, I put a few pieces up, and uh, I wouldn't say I'm tremendously proud of them, but uh, they're still up there if anybody wants to go take a look. <laughs> so, Blake, you're a, you're an SEC guy. Um, you know, I've had you on a couple – at least once, I know, the when we kind of make the rounds in the preseason to try to get to know, you know, what's going around in, in, in other conferences apart from the ACC – um, specifically, one of the guy, one of the teams I wanted to look at with you going into the season, if there is actually a season, is Kentucky. Um, you know, the loss of, of Ashton Hagens was huge. I'm not sure I'm a big um, Davion Mintz fan. The transfer from Creighton. I know that uh, Devin Askew is is very good and receives high marks. You know, from everybody that has an opinion on Twitter. Terrence Clark, I don't know a whole lot about. I do know that Brandon B J Boston is is awesome i mean the guy's a unicorn six i think he's six eight six nine you know plays on the wing he's a very good player he's an nba lottery pick i'm not 100 percent sold on this kentucky team what is uh what is your opinion there yeah i i think it's one of those where this is how i've i've compared it you know we think back to several years ago guys where we remember that team with malik monk mm-hmm. Darren fox bam out like coming into that season like, we knew that team was going to be good. Like, mm-hmm. I, we looked at all those different guys, and you're like, all right, this is a potentially, like, a special type of team. And mm-hmm. the games they played, uh, you know, the game against UCLA in the tournament, like, that was a loaded team. This team is loaded with talent, but you don't know necessarily. I don't feel the confidence in this team that I did and that team that had Mock Fox, Adebayo, all those guys. Um, and, and I don't know why. Like, it's just one of those things, I think, when you just watch guys and you're like, okay, Maybe there are certain things you get a better feel of watching this group than the other group. And I think with this particular group, it's like, look, Kentucky's going to be young. And Kentucky's young every year. But with this case, like, they're really, really, really young. And it's like you lost guys that you expected to have back. And that's why I think this team is a little bit different. Because, like, look at someone like E.J. Montgomery. Like, if you put E.J. Montgomery on this team, I think – you know, maybe we're feeling a little bit better because, you know, he goes into his next year, he's going to develop. But the fact that some of these guys left that maybe we didn't necessarily think were going to leave, then now you're completely revamping the entire roster almost at this point. And I think that's why it makes it such harder because here's the deal, too, with Calipari teams. Like, they, some teams figure it out pretty early, but I'd say that a lot of his teams we don't ever see the best of a lot of his teams until February or March, mm-hmm. which is fine because that's that's when you want to be good, right? I mean, you want to be your best then. Um, and they struggled early, which I know we look at the Duke game, you know, whenever it was, a couple of years ago, um, where they just got shellacked right out of the gate. And, you know, I just think, you know, this could be a team, I'm not saying they're going to give up 118 points or whatever it was that they gave up to Duke, but like, could this team come out and get, get beat a little bit early? Maybe. But, of course, it depends on what the season looks like. I just I don't have the confidence in this team that I did, you know, again, that team maybe a couple years ago. Um, I, I think when you look at them as a whole, there's a lot of talent, and it's the same thing every year. Is the chemistry going to come together? If it does, then they're going to be really good. By the time February March gets here, you know, they'll be one of the better teams in the country. They'll probably be in the top 10, top 15, whatever, and they'll, they'll want to play for a national championship, but at this point, every offseason, I've sort of felt this way for the most part, is that you just don't know how a piece is going to come together. And honestly, guys, I think in a year like this, if E. Pons comes back to, to Tennessee, mm-hmm. I think Tennessee is easily the best team in the SEC. And people may look at me and think I'm crazy. But I just think you look at their recruiting class, what they have that Kentucky doesn't have, is they could have someone like Pons, who's the defensive player of the year in the SEC. They could have Fulkerson, who turned himself into an all-SEC player. And... You know, they had E.J. Anasicki, who's a double-double guy at Sacred Heart. I know Sacred Heart's not Tennessee, but the guy averaged a double-double in Division One. you're probably okay. And so they've got more experience at the top, and they've got a top-five recruiting class coming in. Mm-hmm. So then you combine all those things together, and that's why I think I would give Tennessee the nod over Kentucky, but only if uh, Pons does return. Yeah, that's where I was, I was going to go next was this – 
it seems like as a conference, the SEC may, especially with with Nemhard leaving, um, and and the losses that Florida has experienced. Auburn, I'm not real sold on. Um, LSU is obviously talented, but uh, is this is there a year of regression for the SEC? And is there anybody else in this conference that you really like? I think you know LSU has potential. Um, you know Alabama certainly has potential. I really like Shackelford, but um, you know is is there anybody else that you're looking at in this league? Yeah, that's like I think the SEC is probably going to find a way to get like seven teams, and I think they'll be better than they were last year. But I think also it's that question of okay, you could get more teams in, but are you going to have more of those teams that could make it, you know, beyond the first weekend? I think that's the big question because even not this past season, but the season before, I thought there were five SEC teams that we could have said, all right, they should get to the Sweet Sixteen, have really good chance, and I think that was you know Kentucky, Tennessee, Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU, like they were the they were all really, really strong teams, but they had a lot more experience. This past season, not a ton of experience, bad shooting teams. And you combine all that together, and I think you had that regression. But this season, you know, I do. I like Tennessee. I mean, again, we know Kentucky's going to be there. It's not like they're going to miss the NCAA tournament or anything. Um, LSU right now I would probably have as the third best team, but that's under the assumption that, you know, they get some of their their players back that are in this draft process. And that's, that's the same assumption we have to make, I think, with teams like Alabama and Arkansas, too, because, you know, John Petty, if he comes back, I know, you know, John Petty's the champ favorite, but uh, he can shoot it. And I think having, you know, someone like that on the floor, that would be a big difference. And I think that would give Alabama sort of that push to be a potential top 25 type of team. Um, and then with Arkansas, you know, with Isaiah Joe, I, you know, if he comes back, that that's obviously a big bonus, but even if he doesn't, Arkansas has got a lot of talent. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned Auburn. I think it's one of those with Auburn. And I know Auburn fans get frustrated, but I also think that there's some bias that comes along with it, which is understandable, is that Bruce Pearl has just been so good, and he's worked his magic so many times that you just expect it every single season at this point, no matter what the roster looks like. But at the same time, I think we have to realize that this is such a different roster than he's had there. And, you know, they have no experience at all. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically you've got guys like Devin Cambridge, Jalen Williams, um, Alan Flanagan, you know, that are coming back as the leaders and they're, they're sophomores. <laughs> and I think that's something that like you look at it that way. They're really, they're got a good freshman class. We know that, but I think all lack of experience is something that they lost their top, what is it, I think the top six scores. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to take that into account. You can't just say, well, Bruce has figured it out every year, so you just assume he's going to. It's, it's fine to take that optimistic view, but if you're wondering why maybe people aren't putting that stock in Auburn right now here in, you know, at the end of June, whereas last year we knew coming into the season that they should be really good. Uh, I just think there's a lot more question marks this year. Florida's another one of those teams, you know, I don't know, guys. Like, I just, I've gotten to the point with Florida. Honestly, I don't even care what the roster looks like. I just, I, I can't trust Florida right now. And I think it's one of those where until they're more consistent, I just, it's really hard to trust them because I, I just don't think they've had that consistency at all since Mike White's been there. And until they can find that, I think it's really hard to look at Florida and say, I trust that team to be at the top of the SEC just because they, they haven't had that consistency there. Chimp, talk to me about Bama. Uh, you know, Blake. Uh, Blake mentioned that John Petty's your boy. What's your uh, What's your feeling there? Uh, actually, I just I like John Petty's hair, and uh, he's he, he's a cool dude, man. The guy's laid back, shoots threes. Now, I'm going to go on record. Blake and I are both Auburn fans, mm-hmm. and we'll both admit that readily. <laughs> so, uh, when it comes to the SEC, and I was looking at the outline, and I saw is Kentucky in trouble. I'm going to comment on that. Mm-hmm. I've been watching SEC basketball for 40 years, okay? Number one, Kentucky pisses me off. <laughs> I, they they pissed me off since I, uh, I was 10 years old. The thing about Kentucky is this. Kentucky is going to be good as long as there is a coach there that doesn't screw it up. When you have uh, a Calipari there, Kentucky's going to be always going to be good. Now, how good are they going to be? I really don't know. I look to, to people like Blake for that. I read his stuff. I listen to what he, he says. I haven't looked at their roster, but I can tell you this, Kentucky is going to be good. And I would also add, I agree with Blake on Auburn. I think the fans have gotten so spoiled 
they've become almost a bit delusional. I don't know if you agree with that or not, Blake, <laughs> of, you know, where they just think, okay, we have Bruce and we're just going to run five out there and win a bunch of games. Now, I love Bruce Pearl. He has taken that program to heights I never thought I would see. Um, but this roster uh, that I have looked at for Auburn, I think they're going to struggle to score. And yeah. I don't know exactly how good uh, Sharif Cooper's going to be. I mean, obviously, he's McDonald's All-American. I'm very much looking forward to watching him play. But, you know, Auburn does not have the shooters they've had in the past. Uh, so I agree with Blake. I think Auburn is going to struggle a little more than, than, than people think. Um, so, you know, I guess basically to sum it up, Kentucky pisses me off and I hope Auburn <laughs> the game, but I think they're a middle of the pack team. That's all I got, Coach. <laughs> is there a team that maybe <clears throat> you think is, you know, probably widely considered to finish at the bottom of the SEC that you think may be able to, to sneak up and, and, and grab some nice victories this year, Blake? Like the answer is always by default South Carolina. They get pissed at me because it's like, well, why do you keep picking them down there? And I like, I almost do it at this point, like how just being a joke. Like I'm like, <laughs> look, we're just going to pick them there because you know they're going to finish higher and you should be thanking us for picking them lower um, because it's just Frank. Frank knows what he's doing. That's where to make it work more often than not. Um, but I, I don't know. You know, I think South Carolina would probably pick in the middle of the pack. I don't necessarily think they'll be picked low, but, you know, the teams at the bottom, I don't, like, I'm looking at the bottom of the SEC this year, and I, I don't know, like, Georgia, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, it's hard to look at those teams, like, and I know Mississippi State, it's weird to say them in there, but, like, they just lost a ton of players. Mm-hmm. Like, transfer, you know, you had Reggie Perry go to the NBA, uh, they still got some guys got to figure out what they're doing, and I, I know they've got some good talent still there, but they're not going to be anything, I don't think, like they have been. Uh, and I think that just that probably leaves that group of teams. And I put this in the, the preseason thing I did, the kind of the way too early thing. But, like, Missouri, Ole Miss, A&M. Like, I think they're all in, in that same group where one of those teams is probably going to be a lot better than we think they are. And I think it's just a matter of which ones they're going to be. Because A&M last year, you know, they came out of nowhere. I thought they were going to be the worst team in the SEC. Now, that was before Aaron Smith got injured at Vanderbilt, and that just completely changed you know, their landscape. Because believe it or not, if you watch Vanderbilt in the non-conference, they were actually pretty decent until Neesmith got injured. And then they just, you know, that takes away your NBA lottery pick and right. changes the season again for the second year in a row because they had, you know, Darius Garland half the year before. So, um, and I just, I don't know. Ole Miss is probably the team of that group I would look at and say, I don't think they're getting enough credit. Yeah, I even wrote that in my thing. I said, I'm not really sure that I'm giving Ole Miss enough credit from what their roster looks like. Because we got to remember, too, guys, I mean, they added some, some pretty good talent this offseason. You know, yep. picking up Romello White from Arizona State, uh, that was huge. I know Clay Kenson left. He was one of my favorites. But, you know, having Romello White, they got Demencio Vaughn, another grad transfer. They got Devontae Schuler back. We're going to remember the Jarkel Joyner, who was at Cal State Bakersfield, uh, playing for Rod Barnes. Um, you know, he was a double-digit scorer, so I think that roster looks pretty good. I know they lost Bree and Tyree, but I think they actually got enough players in there now to where they can make up for it scoring-wise, and so I think Ole Miss may actually be a team that's a little bit better than people think. We've, uh, you know, we're looking at, you know, a weird calendar right now. We recently extended the dead period where the, the draft declaration period, um, you know, kids still have – a month and a half to decide if they're going to the NBA draft. It's, it's, it's encroaching on, um, you know, the season and the preseason and, and coaches being able to put their rosters together, kind of confusion and, and things up in the air. What's, uh, is there anything concerning about what the calendar is looking like right now for you? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to figure out guys. Cause I, I think it's a situation where, look, I, we can, we talk about this transfer thing because, People always knock the coaches, right? We always go to that. And I understand. It's like, all right, well, players, you know, this one-time transfer, everything like that. Um, you know, if coaches can transfer and I have to say, oh, what about players? Well, it's like we always try to look to knock the coaches. But at the same time, you look at a situation like this. Could you imagine trying to put together your roster right now, knowing that, at least at this point, you know, the season is expected to start on time. Whether that happens, who knows? But like you have to prepare as though it's going to start on time and you still have basically, it could be another month before you even have a clue, you know, whether some of your best players are going to be back. And, you know, we talk about looking at, you know, the draft where it's at, 
the recruiting thing. I mean, you can't. There's no in-person stuff, and I saw people mention it the other day where it's like, you know, there are going to be guys committing to places that they haven't been to, mm-hmm. and they haven't met with these guys in person. It's just it's so crazy. But, of course, you know, that's the year that we're in right now. But it is. It's. I think it puts a lot of pressure on these coaches because, you know, and I'm thinking about it too, guys. We, we talk about, you know, like Blue Ribbon and all that. I mean, it's, you know, it's something where we try to reach out to coaches. Like, we would have already been – we would already been going out and saying, all right, hey, we need to get in touch with this guy, that guy, this guy. How can we talk to a coach right now? How, what's he going to give me? If I'm trying to write about his team, he has no idea because he hasn't seen any of these guys. And so I think it's going to make it much harder for them to kind of figure out what it looks like. I know Eric Musselman, you know, talking to him, and one of the things he said throughout the summer is that, hey, you know, we're basically preparing like we have two different teams because Isaiah Joe would, would make things so much different for them if he comes back. And so – that's kind of how they have to go about it, you know, and there's there's still guys transferring. We know that. I'm like, it's just like that's that's never going to stop. And so it's just it's a constant balancing act. And I think even more so now, you know, the fact that coaches can't be around their players, you don't know what's being said. Like you're not around your guys every day. You can't necessarily be in their ears and have that face to face contact like you could have six months ago. And I think it's just you never know what's going on everywhere else. You don't know who's in his ear about going here or there. And then, you know, you talk about the draft advice and all that. It just, man, it, it makes it hard. And so it is. It's going to be a season unlike any other. And I think that's especially the case for these coaches right now. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll bring the chimp in on this one as well. Flat out, Blake, do you think there's going to be a season? Uh, um, I think there is. I, I don't know what it's going to look like. But I, I think it's at a point where, you know, talking to some SEC people, I just think it's one where – Look, guys, if they – I think that they, they – I don't want to say have to have it because that sounds wrong, like mm-hmm. given everything that's going on. I don't want to say, like, they have to have a season. Um, but, like, they kind of have to have a season. Like, it's one of those <laughs> things where, you know, you understand what's going on and health's always going to be the top priority. But I do think that there are some of these places. And certainly, you know, we know. Like, think about, like, people at the mid-major level, all of that, when it comes to resources, revenue, mm-hmm. all that type of stuff. It's a it's a hard place to be in right now. So I'll say that there's going to be a season, um, but I don't. Obviously, I don't think it's going to look anything. You know, I I would probably be surprised if we're talking about full arenas or anything like that because it's not that far away. But I do think there will be a season of some sort. Chimp. Well, I thought about this. I was thinking about it last night. Thought a lot about it, and the first thing that popped into my head was. If I looked at the gambling board and this was a wager, I wouldn't touch it right. because it's so complicated. There's so many weird things going on. If I had to say one way or the other, I'm going to go with Blake and say, yes, there is going to be a season. Uh, will we start on time? I don't know. I think some of that may depend on what football looks like. Right. Uh, it may have something to do with it. But I'm going to say, yes, we will have a season. But like Blake, man, it is, it's going to be a weird one. Uh, adjustments are going to have to be made. Um, but more than anything, man, I hope we play because, man, we, we all, we need it. And we, we need it bad. And I say that a little bit selfishly because obviously the health of the players and the coaches and everyone involved is the most important thing. But boy, do we need some college basketball? So I hope the answer is yes. Yeah, I'm actually looking for. I'm not a college football fan, and I'm actually looking forward to college football if we have. I mean, just something, something new. I mean, it's actually given me an appreciation for like hardwood classics and things like that. I mean, I was watching like the '98 Knicks the other day, and it was just like <laughs> Patrick watching Patrick Ewing play and. It almost seems like you you kind of lose things along the way. Obviously, we haven't watched him play in 20 years. And then you watch him play the era of the true center. This is right there on my television. It's absolutely incredible. Um, I I think, you know, somebody asked the other day what it would take for this. Because we've already kind of set things in motion. Somebody asked, you know, what would it take to shut this down? As kids, you know, Clemson had 28 kids, I think, test positive. Um, There was a couple other schools. But I think... You know, as long as, and this is going to sound brutal, but as long as nobody dies, I, I think that this is going to start 
on time and and you know like you said no no full arenas nothing like that but you know these kids it's they don't really seem affected by it you hear the the random story every now and then but Blake like you said <clears throat> revenue things like that I mean some of these programs only exist because of buy games because of, yeah. of, of revenue that they generate by traveling to some of these these power six schools and I believe it was UConn the other day that had to cut some Division One programs um, from yep. their docket. So, I mean, it, it, safety is paramount, obviously. But at the same time, if we wait too long, it's similar to the economy. Some of these programs are going to fold. Yeah, and, and I think one of the things that stands out to me, and this is like, you know, for all of us, so we're sitting here, we, you know, we love college basketball, and we think about what do we love about college basketball. I mean, obviously we love the, the game itself, but we also love everything that comes around it, the atmosphere and all these other things. I think that's one of the things that goes along with college football. Well, you know, you go into a season like this, it's like, I mean, think about it from a betting standpoint. Because we know Chip's going to think about it from the betting standpoint. But it's like, you know, how do you even look at home and road games? Like, what are those even going to look like mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, we think about the edge for home teams and all this other stuff. And, you know, we think about a team, I don't know, for example, like a North Carolina going to play at a Wofford or something like that. Like, we, we envision the atmosphere and we've seen that, what that looks like. But it's like, if, if we have it this year, like we pretty much feel pretty confident that it's going to look completely different. You're not going to have that same atmosphere probably. Um, you know, we don't know how many people are going to be in the building. And, and again, I, I just have things I talk about with guys when it comes to college football. And some of the stuff I've said on this, it's like, man, especially college football, like you could go out one week and say, all right, here's our schedule for the rest of the season. Three days later, your schedule was completely different. Your roster was completely different because you could have, you know, guy A, guy B, testing positive. Well, he's not back for at least two weeks. And, like, it's just, man, it's it's going to be a juggling act for everyone. And I think that's what's going to be interesting. But I guess if you're college basketball, you're trying to find an optimistic point of view. And I don't mean this in terms of, hey, good thing we're not in this spot. But if you're saying, all right, at least we have something to learn from because no one's had anything to learn from from the start of this thing, because there is no, you know, all the coaches said, there's no handbook on this. There's nowhere to, right. you can't go back to 19, you know, 87 and say, oh, remember when this team went through this? Like, there is none. But college basketball, they're going to be able to look at college football and some of these other, maybe the NBA, and say, all right, well, we've seen what worked with that. How do we find a way to at least try to make it work with us, knowing that, you know, we're not in control of a virus, but at the same time, we can at least see what precautions may work best. And at least we have some type of sample size to work with, unlike, you know, college football and some of these other, like the NBA that's about to get started. Is that, obviously that's going to be the dominant storyline, you know, as we go into the season, as far as what everything is going to look like, as far as the basketball and, and, you know, what we're actually going to see on the court and teams and, and, and rankings and, and, and things like that and the power six as well as beyond. What is, what is the storyline that intrigues you the most about the upcoming season outside of the, the Corona pandemic? Yeah, I think there's probably, you know, there's probably lots of them that we think about. Um, and I think certainly Gonzaga, I think mm-hmm. that's one where, you know, a lot of people think that they're probably the best team going to the season. And I don't think I would disagree. We just look at the roster they're going to have. Um, you know, and it's, it's what we saw, you know, we saw him get there not too long ago, you know, several years ago at this point, it's like, well, I mean, are they going to be a team that can actually win at all, uh, knowing that they're going to be viewed going into the season probably as, you know, perhaps the most talented team. And, and I think that's something that we'll look at, uh, because, you know, I don't think a lot of people are going to be sitting there putting Duke at the top or Michigan state or some of these other to Kentucky, um, you know, maybe Kansas, they'll probably, you'll have some people at Kansas and maybe, you know, that's a situation where they're the best team, but I think a lot of people are going to be saying is the best team. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I find that interesting just because that is a program that at some point they're going to win a national championship. Mm-hmm. I know they haven't to this point, but I think at this at this stage, knowing what they've built, it's just probably a matter of time before they have a chance to do it. And also see the guys, you know, going out to my man Bill Walton's uh, conference there of champions, <laughs> I think the pack. I think that's that's going to be a very interesting conference too because I, it's if we know where it was a couple of years ago. I mean, you know, watching that conference and just the depth, it was not there. And I think going into a season like this, um, you know, UCLA, what McCrone's already done there. I think obviously they're going to be pretty good. I think what Jared Hass has done at Stanford, uh, they may be ready to take that next step. So I think you know the pack. I felt could be a little bit better than people think. 
Um, I don't know if they'll get that credit going into the season just because it's hard to trust them uh, based on recent results. But uh, I think that conference could be one that's a lot more fun to watch and not just have to listen to my man Bill Walton. Yeah, I think um, going into the season, I would put, assuming that Gonzaga gets, I'm going to say two out of those three guys back. Um, you know, I, I think Kispert's obviously coming back. Petrusev is the one that I'm kind of hesitant on. But I think if they get two of those three guys back, then they are easily one of the two most talented teams in the nation. I would put Villanova up there as well, which... Yeah. You know, I think going into the season, that's that's the actual storyline for for on the court performance is how dominant because can those teams be? Because I think they those two are head and shoulders above everybody else. Um, yeah, Chimp, what are uh, what, what's intriguing to you as far as going into the season this year? Well, the the only thing that's intriguing for me is what's usually intriguing is that's how am I going to approach the season from a gambling standpoint, mm-hmm. uh, and you know. At what point, usually about two to three, maybe four weeks into the season, I start to get comfortable with teams, Mm -hmm. and I get comfortable with lines. Uh, I can spot things and take advantage of things, and I'm, to be honest, I guess the biggest storyline is, is the worry for me of it's going to be so different is what, what has worked over so many years going to continue to work. Is it going to be that much different? Am I go- how am I going to adjust to that? So I agree with both you guys. This season is going to be strange, but the biggest you know worry and wonder for me is how much different are the lines going to look? How much longer is it going to take me to get comfortable with teams and comfortable with lines and things like that? You guys are the smart guys. You know the rosters. You know all the players. I mean, that's why I love listening to you guys. If I want to know about the ACC. I know where to go. If I want to go know about the SEC, I know where to go. You know, I can go get all that info, but the biggest thing for me is the gambling and how, how different is it going to be this year. I think, you know, Blake brings up an interesting point as far as half-full arenas, if any people in the arena. From a gambling perspective, my expectation there with little to no fans is that the spreads will shrink and we're going to see tighter games. Um now that, that you could actually view it both ways, now that I actually think about it, but w- what's your expectation as far as lines? Do you think that they're going to shrink as far as spreads? Um, you know, I really don't know. Mm. I, the, the thing that, I, as you know, that I like to do is I like to play a lot of underdogs, especially mm-hmm. home underdogs, and I like to play them on the money line. And you know what you're talking about is if you get a really good team that goes on the road into a hostile, what used to be a hostile environment that's no longer hostile. It's half full. Uh, the team doesn't have the same energy. Um, are those opportunities still there? Uh, but to, to really answer the question, are the lines going to look different? I think so. Mm-hmm. Vegas will adjust. Uh, the question is, someone like me, can I figure it out? Right. And I don't know the answer to that. So we'll see. Blake, when you're when you're you know if you're looking at the season and projecting possible outcomes, what what do you think lack of fans is going to do as far as the actual game and and the results? Yeah, I was just thinking about that. I think both you guys brought up good points. Like I was thinking about, let's say this: let's say Gonzaga goes on the road and plays Belmont. Let's just take Belmont as an example because mm-hmm. they're a team you know playing at home. That's a tough arena, you know, small rowdy atmosphere. Belmont shoots the three, all those kind of things. Well. It's like maybe in you know last year we might have looked at that and said, all right, well you know this this thing could be a little bit closer than people think. I don't care if Gonzaga is the number one team in the country because you're playing in this atmosphere, Belmont can shoot the three, all these other things. But you take the fans out of the equation, and then I think it's like, all right, well then I think I have to project this based purely on talent. And talent wise, like Gonzaga, far and away the more talented team. Mm-hmm. So well, could I, you know, could I see Gonzaga coming out and beat Belmont by twenty five? on what would essentially be a neutral floor. And I think that's why it makes it a lot more interesting because if we do get a situation where there are no fans in the stands, I mean, yeah, you know, you could have a team, I guess, traveling from from West Coast to East Coast, and that may be something that honestly, now that I think about it, could be something too that plays into it because we don't know what kind of precautions could be, you know, where are they going to be staying, what are the things they're going to have to go through, all those other things, and that could make it, you know, a lot tougher for them to be mentally prepared for a game too. And at the same time, 
I think we just look at it from a basketball standpoint, it makes it so much harder to say, all right, that hot mid-major team that is so good at home that really relies on its fans to kind of give them that extra boost. Well, if that's not there, how do you not go with the team that has the most talent, one through ten? I think that's probably what we look at when we try to look at how are we going to figure out how these games are going to play out. To me, that's probably the best guess. Is to say, all right, this team has way more talent. I'm definitely going with them. I don't care where they're playing at. Yes. Well, and let me let me let, let me jump in here real quick. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that, and I think this might be the year where, when you look at Ken Palm and you look at Haslametrics, um, you know whatever power index it is that you look at, you know this could be the year where those indexes went out. You know yeah. where the you know what the index tells you you should do may actually be what you should do because you don't have the extenuating circumstances. You don't have the crowd. You don't have, you know, all the other things that go with playing on the road and things like that. So, you know, I, that just popped into my head, Blake, when you said that is, you know, I, I, I don't really, I, I look at Haslametric sometimes and I look at um, Ken Palm and stuff like that. I don't base my bets on those things, right. but this might be the year where people really want to pay attention to those things. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a good point because you don't have, you know, the the game. Those are both predictive measures. We're talking about Eric Haslam and Ken Pomeroy for those who don't know. Um, you know, predictive measures, and it, it's you know it's on paper basically. So you know, usually you go to the arena, things you know things matter as far as outside influences and st- and stimuli. You know, with the crowd and 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 fans and cheerleaders and all that. If you remove all of those outside. Uh, kind of distractions, then you just have teams basically playing a scrimmage that counts. And, uh, you know, you might see those those predictive measures be a little bit more accurate than they normally would historically. <clears throat> or maybe we maybe we could just get Blake to simulate all the games for us and we'll bet that way. Yeah. See, here's, here's what we're going to get to. Listen, <laughs> we don't have a season. Jeff is going to have to – he's going to start betting on my Twitch games here on College of 2K8. That's going to be games on my season. That that could be a channel to open up there for you. So well, I will I'll, – I'll expect some inside info before I start throwing my money around. <laughs> so this is actually a thing. I don't, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, but there's a podcast out there called the Sports Gambling Podcast with um, – uh, the names are Sean Green and, and, and Ryan Kramer. And they actually have – you know, my bookie is one of their one of their sponsors – and they actually simmed the the NCAA tournament this year and had a deal with my bookie where the simulated games were actually available to bet on on my bookie. Yeah. There so. you go. <laughs> not not long before yeah. I'm, I'm going to contact my bookie and see if I can get the uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide here on the, uh, the the Twitch betting game. So. Yeah, man, it's 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 a real thing. People are starving for for you know new sports content for sure. Well, I was going to say, I'm enough of a D-Gen as it is. Like, if I start betting on simulated games, I might be booted out of the house. You know, so. <laughs> I want to get to I want to get to Coach K real quick, and then we'll uh, I'll throw it over to Chimp for Chimp Seven questions. Um, the Coach K video, uh, you know, come out Black Lives Matter. You know, just say it. It's it's obvious. It's not a political thing. It's a it's a human rights issue. And you know the video itself, and you have to give it to Kay. He is—he's articulate. He's sincere. I think, or at least comes off that way when he wants to. Um, the timing, I think, is interesting. It felt like pandering to me. I think you know the time to do that video was weeks ago. It's been nearly a month since the George George Floyd murder. Um, I, I think that. I guess first of all, <clears throat> I'll get your guys' opinions on the video, and then I'll just say that. I'll ask: Was he guilted into this? Because that—that's my feeling. Like we 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 almost have a, a need for these guys to come out and say something because they're leaders of of universities for the most part. They're the face of those universities, the face of college basketball, and even the face of USA basketball. But in this particular situation, I think the message was on point. The timing was weird, and I think that society as a whole kind of guilted Coach K into that. Blake, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I watched this earlier today, and, and one of the things I thought, and this is what I've thought all along through, through everything, is I think you're going to see it where some of these guys are a lot more comfortable than others when mm-hmm. it comes to talking about anything other than basketball. I know that sounds weird because, you know, obviously they're teaching, you know, all types of stuff to kids. They're not just teaching basketball. 
But I think when you have to do it like in that type of setting, I think that's where it becomes more difficult for other people, maybe more so than others. And even for someone like him, you know, it's one of those where I'm sure, you know, no matter what the, the discussion is, I feel like it's probably not easy to look into a camera for three minutes and say, all right, you know, I've got to figure out how do I best word this? Knowing that there's probably a ton of things you want to try to say, but you have to get that across in three minutes. And I think mm-hmm. it's one of those where, like you said, the message was there. Like, I thought the video message-wise was really good. Um, you know, it, it was something, like we said, it's, we've seen lots of coaches do it. Um, it's something that obviously needs to be talked about. Uh, but, it, you know, at the same time, like you mentioned, too, it's you're always going to have people, I think, look at it and say, well, you know, the timing, all those other things that go along with it. And, and we know, too, like this is an, an age where, honestly, I think you do think something one way, you're going to get criticized for it. You do it the other way, you're going to get criticized for it. I don't, you know, if you're a public figure of any kind, I think there's always going to be ways that you can probably look at it and have some type of scrutiny surrounding it. Um, so I don't know. Like, I don't know what the best response is to it um, because I, I do think it was obviously a very good message. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, there's a lot of things to go along with it, just the message too. Jim? Well, if I was in class right now, I'd be cheating off Blake's paper because <laughs> he is the, he gives the best answers I've ever heard. Uh, everybody loves him. Uh, you know, nobody ever gets mad at him. So what I'm, what I'm about to say is going to be a little bit different than that. Uh, I'm not a fan of Coach K. I've never been a fan of Coach K. Uh, I think he is the uh, self-proclaimed uh, king of NCAA basketball. Uh, I didn't like the video. Uh, I do agree with Blake that it's very hard to sit in front of a camera and do that and try to get out your thoughts uh, in, in a way that is going to express what you're thinking, uh, not piss people off. Um, but with that said, I, I thought it was a bit preachy. I thought it was a bit self-serving. Uh, I honestly would rather listen to the ghost of Dean Smith talk about this issue for three minutes because uh, Dean Smith, uh, you can go back and look at his record on, on this type of issue, and it's pretty darn good. Uh, so th- those were my thoughts. I mean, with Coach K, um, I-, I-, I don't know. and Maybe it's just my view of him. What I'd like to do is give the guy some truth serum and ask him about 15 or 20 questions. That's what I'd really like to do with, with Coach K. But uh, I-, I didn't really, you know, I didn't think the video was all that good. Uh, I kind of agree with you, Coach, that it almost seemed as if he was uh, maybe, you know, kind of giving a little shove and say, hey, you know, Coach K, you really need to say something here. Um, that's kind of what it felt like. So, listen, I, I didn't really care for it. Um, you know, I don't need Coach K to, 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 to talk to me about the issues that are going on. I uh, keep up with things myself. So, the only reason I watched it, honestly, is because we were going to talk about it. <laughs> if we wouldn't talk about it, I wouldn't have watched it. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, self-serving is a good is a good term to use here. I think this is what makes, in my opinion, Dave Chappelle the just uh, the genius that he is. I don't know if you guys were able to watch 846 but, um, you know, people came to him and said, hey, you know, you're a, a prominent black man that's obviously, you know, very intelligent. How come you're not speaking out on this? And Dave Chappelle says, well, I, I don't need to speak out on this because what you're seeing is is what needs to happen. It's getting it's getting hashed out in the streets right now. I mean, that's that's what it is. You don't need me to come out and tell you that that leaning on a guy's neck for almost nine minutes is wrong. You don't need me to tell you that systemic racism in our, in our country is wrong. Everybody knows it's wrong. So, you know, I, I don't, like you said, Chimp, I don't need Coach K to tell me that black lives matter. Black lives obviously matter. We're all human beings. All of our lives matter. And I just, it, it felt like, you know, you have to go out there and say something. You don't. I mean, we see it on the news every day. We're seeing it, you know, in our hometowns every day. I, like you said, I just don't need Coach K to tell me how to feel and, and, and that things are wrong that are obviously wrong. Now, that said, you know, you got you got to step up, I guess, and do the right thing. I thought, it, like you said, it was a little bit preachy, but <clears throat> the expectation is there for people in prominent positions to go ahead and make a statement and and let us know that think that bad things are bad almost to uh to hammer home the point i guess it's it, it is what it is i guess in 2020 
Chimp, I will get it over to you uh, for what I'm assuming is going to be the highlight of your day to give Blake your seven burning questions. The highlight of my day is the highlight of my year, man. You kidding me? I got a, I got a, birth, I got a birthday coming up soon, and this tops that easily. So, yeah, uh, Blake, uh, it's been a pleasure to, to uh, have you on. And, uh, I came up with an idea, and I pitched it to Coach. I call it in the bonus, just seven rapid-fire questions. Uh, you should be prepared for this because I throw I throw idiotic questions at you every mailbag you have. So you I was going to say, I am fully prepared. I've, I've gotten questions from you for years now. So if I'm not prepared for these, then you should just revoke my podcast license right now. <laughs> All right, here we go. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, question number one. ESPN makes a 30 for 30 about Blake Lovell. What is the title and who is prominently featured? All right, let's go with The Beard is the title, the subtitle, The Beard. How, I don't know, I need something for the subtitle. Or you could just call it The Beard. Like, I feel like you could make it simple and go with that. Um, Man. I have a a subtitle for you. Okay, (laughs) you, you give me the subtitle. The Beard, no, not James Harden. There you go. Like you put James Hart's name in there, that automatically they're going to think. So um, we'll go with that. We'll we'll go with the beard and then prominently featured. Man, I that's a good one. I'd like to have Bill Walton on there. I know that for sure. Um, I don't know who else. Bill Walton, maybe Bruce Pearl, because Alabama fans think that you know. Obviously, I support Bruce and anything that he does. Auburn fans think the same thing, so let's just let's go with Bill Walton and Bruce Pearl. Excellent answers. Question number two. This is an ACC slash SEC question, and we have both conferences represented here on this podcast. <laughs> Who wins a stare down between Frank Martin and Leonard Hamilton? Ooh, Ooh. I tell you, Leonard, Leonard Hamilton. Like real quickly, like I have never seen anyone who just does not age at all. Like he's <laughs> I anytime like I have to remember how like that he's what is he's like seventy mm-hmm. I don't know is something like that and like you look at this guy and he looks like he's fifty and it's just like he's always like he's just say that he's sharp as can be I love Leonard Hamilton but let me tell you guys Frank Martin you, if he looks into your eyes he's looked into my eyes before <laughs> I, I turn away immediately there, there's no way I'm able to just sit there and stare down Frank Martin because he is just staring into your soul. And I think that's why he's had so much success as a coach because I play for that guy. You better bet I'm trying to do whatever he's telling me to do. Coach Hamilton okay, is so 71 Frank- years old. <clears throat> wow. That is, like, that is just nuts. That's just nuts. Okay, so Frank Martin wins that contest. Question number three. You are a proud grad of Austin P, one of their more famous yep. alums. Yep. You should know this. What year was Austin P's last NCAA tournament win, and who did they beat? Oh, gosh. Um, man. It's got to be who the Bubba Wells years, team? right? Did, did they win a game with the Bubba Wells? I don't remember. Was it Flyway? I don't know. Like, uh, Man, that's a tough one. I should know that. You're right. I could probably tell you when they got to the NCAA tournament last, but I can't tell you when they won a game. I don't know if it was, I don't know if they won one with Bubba Wells or if that would have been the Fly Williams teams, but they probably beat someone, I would guess, during his era. They did not. They didn't. It was nineteen eighty seven. Mm. The game was played in Birmingham, Alabama, and they beat Illinois sixty eight sixty seven. Man, well, there goes my alumni. I'm not getting a parade here, I'll tell you that. I don't think uh, I don't think I have many Austin P fans in my in my listening, so I, I think we're safe. I don't all think, right, yeah. good to know. <clears throat> Blake, uh, hey, Blake, he can edit this out. He can edit that question out if you want him to. All right, question number four: You have interviewed a ton of coaches on the Great Making the Madness uh, podcast. Absolutely love it. You're one of the best. I've called you the Roy Firestone of our generation before. I really believe that. All right. There are three. You can pick a coach from these three coaches that you have not interviewed that you can now interview. Pick one between Jerry Tartanian, Bobby Knight, or Dean Smith. Dean Smith. I think that's an easy one for me um, because I, I just think that 
uh, he's he's one of the best ever. I mean, and they're look, they're both, they're all great coaches. But like, I just think that talking to Dean Smith, you think about all those North Carolina teams he coached. I know, you know, the Indiana teams with Nyan certainly you get a lot of nuggets from him, but and even the Tarkanian, like you think about that, and I think his what was his brother wrote a book or is some, somebody wrote a book? I've actually got it. Um, they wrote something like Rebel with a Cause or something. And it's just like it's a really great book on that era, but. Uh, yeah, Dean Smith all day, every day. Yeah, all right. That book's question on number, my bookshelf as well. <clears throat> question number five. I notify you I'm visiting Nashville. <laughs> now, assuming you don't flee town, where are, we, where are you taking me for a great meal and where are we playing golf? Oh, man. Now, that's, that's the question there. I mean, really, if you think about it, like great meal – I'm going to be honest with you. Like, there, it's impossible to narrow it down here. People are always like, why do you say that? I'm like, well, you, you come to Nashville, you know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, there, there's no way. I, I don't even know that I could pick one. There's so many. Like, we could literally just walk down the street, and we could just have, like, six great meals in a row. But it's just, just top in the, the next place down. Like, that's all you have to do. And then golf-wise, oh, man, that's another one. Good, that's another one, too. Probably the Hermitage is what I would say. That's probably, like, that area's got the best courses. Um, they've... They've done a lot of good ones, so I'll, so I'll go with that. But uh, you probably can't go wrong with, with courses around, at least for the most part, like around Nashville. They're, they're pretty good around here. Okay, so dinner's up in the air then. Yeah, dinner's I – mean, listen, me trying to decide on dinner, that's uh, that, that's a tough one. Well, at least you, at least you didn't say you are going to leave town, so that's a plus. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not leaving town. So. Question, question number six. A sporting event that br- that brought you to tears as a kid. Ooh, man, that's a good one there. I'm trying to think of what that would have been. Um, well, I'll say this. Like, I can't think of one, but I will say that probably it would have been a Vanderbilt basketball game of some sort. Because, like, my family, big Vanderbilt fans, we used to go to all the games. And I'm sure there was a game where I just came out completely just pissed off about something um you know what let me think i just figured it out there was one game i don't remember what year this was i want to say it was like 96 or something vanderbilt played kentucky i want to say kentucky was the number one in the country there was there was like there was a part at the end of the game where nazi muhammad remember him like what a player lefty just <laughs> outstanding he comes down and something like he hits a shot at the buzzer and there's no way this shot went in before the buzzer but yet like you know referees running down the court shot goes up they call it in of course, there's no replay. Like, they're not replaying anything. Kentucky runs off the court. Uh, I think Drew Maddox was playing for Vanderbilt at the time. I was I was so pissed off about that. Um, I, may have, I may have actually shed a tear at some point. <laughs> hey, I, I told you earlier, what did I say? Kentucky pisses people off. That's what, <laughs> what they do. I have to be uh, neutral now, but I just I wanted to admit that. So. And, and you do a heck of a job with it. All right, final question. It's a two-parter. and get you out of here. The first part of the question is, can you please get Tracy Wolfson to unblock me on Twitter? <laughs> I, I see you begging for this so many times that I don't know why. I'll make a call. I'll make a call. Sounds good. That's all I can ask. All right. The, the second part of the question. What Alabama Twitter account would you recommend that I can follow without muting or blocking that person within 24 hours? <laughs> That would be none other than Hunter L. Johnson would be the immediate answer for me. Um, Hunter is just, uh, he's the number one Bama super fan, and I just think he's hilarious. And uh, he may not always agree with what you have to say, but I can promise some high-quality entertainment uh, out of Hunter. So that's that would be the, the best choice I would give you. And if he listens back to this, he'll be proud knowing that, that I suggested him. Well, I will immediately follow him, and hopefully I don't have to block him within 24 hours. <laughs> Blake, you are now in, in the bonus, buddy. Thank you so much. It's been such an honor. Uh, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And a big thank you to Coach Hunter for allowing me to do this. Thanks, buddy. Absolutely. There you go. Years in the making. Blake, man, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to join us this evening. Um, it's been a fun show. I thought we uh, addressed a lot of issues that I wanted to get to. And uh, let everybody know uh, where they can find your work and, and what you're going to be up to in the next couple of weeks. 
Yeah, no, I really enjoyed it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Like you said, heatcheckcbb.com. Uh, that's where all the writing will be moving forward. Of course, we'll have the Blue Ribbon yearbook, hopefully, uh, in motion here pretty soon. So you'll be able to find that when it comes out, probably September October. Uh, so you can check that out then. And then uh, everything else, of course, uh, the, the March and Madness podcast, uh, hundreds of interviews there. Got a lot more stuff on the way. Uh, you can check that out. And then the best place to find everything is on Twitter and the Blake Bubble. All right, guys, I thank you for joining me on a Sunday evening, and I hope you guys have a great week. You too. Thanks, guys. See you guys. That was Blake Lavelle of May- uh, <laughs> Marching to Madness. Um, I sometimes get uh, <laughs> his pod and a uh, friend of the show, Jonathan Warner's podcast, which is Making the Madness. Sometimes I misspeak on the titles, but Blake is, you know, the gentleman of college basketball Twitter, all around nice guy, and obviously very uh, tuned in to uh, the happenings of not just the SEC, but, um, you know, all around the country as far as college basketball goes. Uh, Really some interesting takes as far as, you know, what we're going to see this coming year with college football, college basketball. It is going to be interesting and different. that much is is certain. Um, there are obviously some some uncertainties going into the season, and uh, you know we're all waiting, you know, with bated breath to find out what this season is going to look like, both with college football and college basketball, as well as the NBA, NBA, NFL, all this stuff that's, that's trying to come back um, is going to be very interesting. So I want to thank Blake, who's uh, apparently whose last name I've been mispronouncing this entire time. I thought it was Blake Laval. Uh, it's obviously Blake level. So I will make that adjustment. I certainly apologize for, for the many times that I've misspoken in pronouncing his name. And always, I want to thank chimp, uh, for go ahead and joining us. Um, second show in a row. I think the shows that he's on are, are killer. I think he provides a certain aspect that, uh, you know, it it alleviates me from having to drive the conversation myself. And I I enjoy going three wide more than than I used to. I used to like the one-on-one. I would still prefer that everybody be in the same room together, um, I guess. You know, obviously that's difficult to do because of where everybody lives. You know, we're not all in the same damn region. But, um, you know, I I would love to do a roundtable sometime with everybody in the same room i think the conversation flows better that way but in the meantime we're going to continue to have chimp on and uh do the uh in the bonus round i I think that's kind of a cool feature for us and uh you know it allows us to get to know our 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 guests a little bit better than we would otherwise so uh don't forget like rate review share the podcast um get on apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and you know constructive criticism or just comments on on guests comments on shows what you like what you dislike um i'm uh, obviously one that always welcomes feedback whether it be constructive criticism or just you know hey love the show great job you know i'll, I'll take that all day long it may, let's, let's, let's us know that we're putting something out there that you guys appreciate so <clears throat> um i am on vacation i mentioned the show um after uh, the next few days i am traveling so there will not be an episode next week um i don't have a guest uh lined up but <clears throat> You know, I may jump on and just, if something happens, I may jump on Monday evening when I get back from Maine. Um, I'm going to go up there and jump in some waterfalls and travel around, see my nephew, see my brother, and, uh, you know, get away from work, which is something I desperately need. So uh, it'll be a couple weeks. We are transitioning to Belly Up Sports. So check us out at uh, bellyupsports.com. Go to accbasketballreport.com. Check out what Nick and Jacob and everybody else is doing as far as contributing. I will have some stuff out over the next few days as well. Um, Yeah, so follow me on Twitter, accbr1. Um, And yeah, I guess I'll see you out there in a couple weeks. This has been the ACC Basketball Report. Later.